I've said it before and I'll say it again. Content is king. So if you have some content you need created, hit up IOPvideo.com. Video production, podcasting, you name it, we can do it. IOPvideo.com. We make things look pretty. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, you are about Mm. to hear the latest episode of The Voice Party. (laughs) Nice, nice, nice. Mm. Well, you guys, you guys, hey, everybody, everybody, you guys, you guys excited for Halloween? Woo! I mean, we can't do nothing because the pandemic, but but Halloween is not about trick-or-treating for us. I mean, for you guys, I have to break it to my kid. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, how, how do she... you how do you set the mood for Halloween? I never, I never do anything. I that, that's the only thing I've done uh, since I was a little kid. You're like wrong. the only thing I do. I'm talking about kids. setting the mood for Halloween, which is today's episode is based on reviewing our our top films, our top horror films and what do you do to fucking get ready for the halloween seasons you watch some fucking horror films so oh, yeah. today we are all gonna share our top five horror films to watch it could you know i, I there's so many to talk about so um i think uh, yeah, no, there is in the in the, the the voice party group chat we all were changing our top fives because we kept thinking of new movies yeah and there's so much that we probably haven't even thought about that it's like a little something reminded us like, oh shit, yeah, of course. So my my top so we have a chat and my top five has changed since I posted my original top five. So it's it's but I narrowed it down to what top five films get me in the mood for Halloween that I like to watch, which is based on nostalgia. It's it's and then we separate, you know you start thinking about where there is slasher and, and supernatural films. Joaquin and I talked a lot about that, but we narrowed it down to the top five. Who's ready to share a top five? And hopefully you listeners who are listening, I hope we mentioned something you haven't watched and you can watch it all together in a family to get in the mood for Halloween because that's how everybody gets in the mood for Halloween. It seems like watching horror films. So let's do one, 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 right? So kind of like we did the last episode. You get to name your first one, buddy, for opening your mouth. <laughs> All right. Um, so my, my list has actually changed too, and I'm not oh sure I can God. say that. I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure I can say that it's in order, but the first one I want to talk about is uh, Pan's Labyrinth. Um, Ooh. Is there? Oh, is... Del Toro. Okay. Wait, yeah, uh, you consider that a horror film? Okay. I, I love it, but I, I, do, I didn't I think do, to include it. Box office returns, of course, it's a horror film. I didn't, I didn't consider yeah. it horror either, though. I, I agree. With, I mean, I don't know if that's where you're going, Joaquin. But I thought it was like more fantasy, but yeah, it can be scary. It can be scary. I consider horror. Um. So actually, well, actually, no. Um. So there's actually horror movies that aren't scary. So all, all it really has to do is kind of. Uh, deal with the themes um and i can't remember at the top of my head like some of the some movies that are considered horror horror that really aren't scary but um really as long as it deals with themes uh related to horror i think it's considered horror um yeah of course we all want to be you know we well most people want to be scared i actually don't anyways um (laughs) yeah fans labyrinth um 
So when I first watched it, um, I, I really liked it, and it's nice. It's nice to you know watch a movie in Spanish. Um, but it wasn't until I think like my fifth or sixth. The more I watched it, the more I liked it. And the last time I watched it, I like I don't know. It just hit me everything at once. Like the story's really good. The setting is really good. Um, the probably my favorite part is the the music. Uh, I'm a huge fan of of, of movie scores, um, and I forget the guy's name. It's it's a Spanish guy, but um, I've tried looking for other of his movies, and they're really hard to find because most of them are Spanish movies. Um, but yeah, like I have the soundtrack. I've I've heard it to death. Um, I love the costume of the Fawn and his his acting and um, yeah, I, the structure too, like. The structure of the movie, I, I was actually, when I was in film school, I was writing a, a horror movie. And I was pretty much using the template of Pan's Labyrinth. The theme was a little bit different. Javier Navarrete. Um, Navarrete. Yeah, Javier Navarrete, yeah. yeah. I, I found one, like, really weird movie. It wasn't a great, I forget what the name of it, but um, the score to this other movie that I saw, it wasn't, like, it was nothing, nothing like Pan's Labyrinth. Like, Pan's Labyrinth has that... Um, that memorable uh, lullaby. Yeah, it has its own song, right? Pants. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, funny story, the other day my kid couldn't fall asleep and she's like, can you sing me a, 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 a song to go to sleep? And I don't know any songs, like, I, and so I was like, oh, I didn't, so all I did was I hummed Pants Labyrinth uh, theme. Um, <laughs> you hummed it? Yeah. Yeah, I hummed it. That. <laughs> yeah. that. That's yeah, I think I used to know it on piano as well. Oh wow! So that, that what? Uh, yeah. you know, so you, what's that? You don't consider that horror though, right, uh, uh, Javier? I mean, Jasper. I do. I do consider it horror. It's not the scariest movie, and it kind of goes back and forth. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's like it's, eerie. It's, a, it's eerie for sure. Yeah, like you know what it is. Well, for me too, it's it's something. About, I don't know what it is, but when it's something like fantasy, then it's based back in like the forties. What is this? Like the thirties? Uh, Pan's Labyrinth? No, it's, it's during World War Two. World War Two, so the forties. Um, yeah. it, it's something about like movies that are based back in the day. I don't know. Whenever it's something like um, like Hellboy, for example, another Guillermo, it just seems like it, maybe it could happen. Like it's the sci-fi stuff. It was back then. Like we don't we don't know. We weren't there. I don't know. So 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 period movies don't scare you a whole lot. No, they do. It just I mean, it just seems like something like that could happen back then. I don't know why. I get oh, that I thought in my saying. head yeah, yeah. whenever it's, it's a, you know, it's big. Yeah, no, no, there definitely are fantasy elements. I mean, you could probably argue that it's more of a fantasy than it is a horror movie. Which, um, I mean, but you can say that about any uh, Guillermo del Toro, I think. True, true, true. But true that's true. a good one. All right, okay. That's uh, Anybody else uh, have anything? Someone took a deep breath. <laughs> Nothing came out. It seemed like Joaquin was going to say something and then changed his mind. Yeah. Right. Well, I, I was just, I, I was just gonna ask Gaspar, what are some of the horror themes in that film? Because I, I, I see fairy tale, I see fantasy, but I'm just like, okay, horror, maybe. I don't know. Well, the thing, the thing that I was monsters? like, almost, <laughs> I don't know. The thing that I was copying almost directly Lord was that uh, monsters, and it's not horror. That's true. That's true. <laughs> what is? 
No, a lot of movies. Yeah, I no, said like, Lord of the oh, Rings yeah. has monsters and it's not horror. No, I know that's you know? that. I mean, I'm saying that's the only thing I could think of. Um, what what I uh, one of the things I like the most, and like this isn't really a horror theme, but like, so you don't really you're not supposed to know whether whether any of that fairy tale uh, stuff is real, right? Um, I've come come to the conclusion okay. that it's not. That it's all kind of in the little girl's uh, mind, um, and it, yeah, it's just kind of a fantasy world that she she escapes to because of the things that she's dealing with. That that was what I was kind of copying when I was writing my own. Um, that yeah, that's probably my favorite my favorite thing about the movie. Um, it just yeah, it reminds me of what, what it was to be a kid and kind of escape into into your imagination. Okay, okay, okay. All right. What about you, Joaquin? Okay, um, on my list, I'm just going to start off strong with The Exorcist. (gasps) That's one of my favorites, man. I'm glad you Yeah, I like that one, too. That was on my list. Elaborate. Elaborate, homeboy. Okay, so I first saw The Exorcist when they re-released it in the 2000s. 2001, right? And with, like, deleted... Yeah, I want to say it was, like, 2001 deleted footage... That had made the original film mastered. Yes. So my my encounter with the movies kind of tainted because I saw it with like more stuff thrown in it. Yeah. But like it it holds a special place in my heart because my mom and I were just kind of getting to know each other. I was uh, in middle school, was eighth grade, and I had just moved out here and um, to California. And my mom was trying to bond with me because we spent so many years apart. And my grandparents had this rule, like, you don't turn the TV on on Sunday. You know, you go to church, you read your Bible, you focus on the Lord. You don't even go and buy food because then you're encouraging people to work on Sunday, which, you know, is supposed to be the Sabbath, et cetera, et cetera. And after church, we just kind of went and saw a movie anyway. And we uh, both kind of snuck in, in back into the house like a couple of teenagers. Like she's a grown woman sneaking, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so funny, and uh, trying to play it off like maybe it was Bible study or something like that. But um, that was that was the first time that we did that. She was like, "Yeah, we're gonna go to go to a movie. We're gonna see." Watch the Exorcist on a Sunday when you have those strict rules. <laughs> yes, yes, that's why. It- <laughs> Dude, that is a dope fucking like. That's like the ultimate <laughs> sin, bro. <laughs> you know, my soul's been marked ever since, yo. Like, yeah, that's what fucking devils do. Came out of that fucking day. <laughs> that was the inspiration for it. Hear Dude. no evil, speak no evil, do no evil. You know. You um, know what, man? I, yeah, that film. I watched it in pieces because. My brother and my cousin were watching it when it first came out in 2001. I, I, I had, you know, in 2001. Because the first thing I look at on the screen is when she's first. And I'm a, or 2000, I was 10. At that point, the scariest thing I've seen was like, you know, fucking Halloween, you know, <laughs> Michael Myers is scary. And, this was you know, like holy shit, and I I always thought, man, whoever did this must have been like, 
later on, I, I watched a lot of interviews with Joaquin, some of these. Man, how, how he made it. It's that's why it stands at the he didn't he didn't intend to make a horror film. That's what he says whenever he gets asked about that. He made it with the uh uh in he's a documentary filmmaker and he made it with the tone that it's a documentary. Like the docu uh, in feeling to the film, which is why I guess it seems so real and he didn't use any of the sound from the set. Everything was filmed afterwards. That's why the film was really quiet. <laughs> you know. So that's what. Well, I don't <laughs> yeah. know. Once I, I, cause like I, I don't know why this shit is so creepy, man. And and like once I dove into how, I actually found out stories about the real story, the real exorcism. You know, the real, uh, which was a, a little boy, not a little girl. And one of the creepiest things, which is. Mm-hmm. Which, the um the spider walk the, the that's in the new version where she crawls uh on her back downstairs one of the things that i read about the real case yeah. is the mom the mom was like washing dishes and then her son you know while he's possessed or whatever and he was locked up in his room uh i guess he got out and he was spider walking backwards and uh she was washing dishes and she felt something licking her leg she looks down and it was it was her son and I was like, I was that like three a.m. two a.m. scared the shit out of me, man. So like that movie, no matter how old it is, it's still I think better and scarier than some of these new movies coming out. Especially, and I'll just say it like I've seen after that I, I had seen a lot of. Can you hear me? Yep. Yeah, I can hear you now. Hello. Great. I was gonna say like after that I. After that, I, I'd seen plenty of possession films, and The Exorcist is the best one. I haven't seen a single one that has done it better, like you, The Possession you, of Emily seen... Rose, um, films about preventing the Antichrist, all that stuff that dabble in similar themes. I don't think any of them had any of them really. And the reason why I think The Exorcist is better is because of it's it's like little things like. The family that the demon chooses to torment is already – they already have – they're already like a, a broken home, right? It's a single mom right. raising her, her kid. And if you're already religious and you have these certain preconceived notions, like you get this idea that, oh, okay, so there were certain cracks in the family already that allow the demon in. You know, it's almost like um, like the directors really just paid it. The, the writers and the directors really just paid attention to to things like that, like little openings like that. Right. Um, the gradual nature of the possession as well, like it doesn't just go zero to 60, like it's slow and uncomfortable. And it feels very, it, it's one of those things that feels like, man, like this could happen to me. Like this could happen if, to me. If you fuck around, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, and it, I think a really, really good horror film is one that makes it even though you know uh, something. Now, I come from a religious background, so I'm never going to say like demonic possession just can't be real because in the Bible, Jesus cast out demons out of people. So, I, you know what I mean? Like, I, as long as I'm a member of the faith, I'm never going to say that it 
can't or never happened. But Mm -hmm. in a case where like, you know, vampires don't exist, but if this movie or this book you're reading can get you so absorbed in it that you're horrified by the idea of, oh, what if this were possible, then the film's done its job. And I really do think uh, The Exorcist has done it better than anyone else. Hands down. Yeah, I I agree, man. And you know what I think uh, adds to the one of the things that adds to the eeriness of it is William Friedkin. I, like I said, I'm a huge fan of his. He used actual sounds that someone from the Vatican provided of exorcisms when for the growling. And another thing is he had like Catholic priests who have performed exorcisms on set. To kind of uh, mentor him and and not in just kind of guy, you know. It, it, so it it was. I think that that kind of added. I mean, that was a game changer of a film back in. I don't know if you guys have ever seen. I think I sent it to you guys. The impact of what this film had back in the seventies when it first came out. I don't know if you guys saw that. Of all the all the crowds uh, that were going to see it and how people were fainting in theaters because. <laughs> uh, I mean, if if you think about like the movies that were around back then, horror films, for instance, nothing came close. And like like you said, dude, nothing comes close to to this day that I can think of either. There is one that is on your list, and if you still mention it on your list, by the time we finish this, it, it's because I consider this like a it's it's a uh, exorcism gone wrong, told like by the by the people of faith side, and then the another one on your list. Is uh, exorcism, exorcist, a, a possession film, go, gone well, which is a more modern <laughs> film. But what, right, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Okay, so all right. Anybody else uh, have anything on the exorcism, the exorcist? Mm-hmm. Hello. No, I don't. I don't think anybody has anything else to say on the exorcist. You pretty much covered all. The I don't ba- think Gaspar's here anymore. No, he left. Yeah. Oh. oh, okay. Maybe he'll come back. I don't know. What about you, Phil? What's what's your what's on your list, homie? Okay, I got a very good one, a very important one, and it's so important I completely forgot it and had to shovel some things around last minute. I'm talking about Evil Dead, not the remake, but the original, the Sam Raimi. Oh yeah. Classic. Personally, I like Evil Dead Two more, but that's more of like a horror comedy. Whereas the first one is just a straight horror. So that's why I'm putting the first one here. Because that film is a classic. And I can't say enough good things about that. Both from like a story point of view. And like a production point of view. Because it was super low budget. And you could tell. Like if you look at the credits. All these people are credited as fake shimps. Because actors would just quit and leave. And so he would just turn them into zombies. And have whoever was uh, lying around the set, put on some makeup and pretend to be the deadite version of this character. Oh, that's so, awesome. I didn't know that. I... <laughs> yeah. That's why, so, that's why like one by one, everybody gets turned into a deadite because eventually like, you know, he couldn't afford to pay the actors. And so yeah. most of them would like, get fed up and quit and leave after a while. And so he would just have like crew members put on deadite makeup and be like the evil possessed version of these characters as he slowly killed them off. And Bruce Campbell was the only one who survived to the end, <laughs> which is why I think he ended up getting listed as a producer because uh, he stuck it out. Yeah. And he, what, how many did he do afterwards? A shitload, right? Bruce Campbell, 
Bruce Campbell was in all of them. All of them. Yeah, he was Evil Dead 2, Army of Darkness. He was in the TV show. Uh, I don't think he was in the reboot because I never saw the reboot. But and it's it's available on Netflix right now too for all you listeners. Yeah. Uh, what 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 are you guys' thoughts on the 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 horror film classic, The Evil Dead? Can you guys hear me? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I haven't seen it. I just wanted to know if you guys could hear me. It's it, I just watched it this week, uh, a few days ago, for the first time, dude. Oh my god. See, it's so weird for me to be like, what? How could that's like when you find out somebody's never seen Star Wars? You're like, what? How have you never well, seen Star Wars? Okay, I gotta take that back. I've seen parts of it. Uh, I think, uh, yeah, I've seen parts of it. Uh, I don't know, it just wasn't my jam. So, <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, I thought it was okay. Here's my initial I, I didn't watch it as a kid. And a lot of these movies that we're talking about, nostalgia definitely has you know, something to do with, like, uh, how it imprints in our mind. Uh, I think because I didn't watch it back in the days, maybe that's why it seemed a little cheesy to me. But mm-hmm. I also appreciate the art behind it because I, I know from interviews, I've seen interviews with Sam Raimi on how, like, he didn't have any money. And a lot of the shit that, that they did for that film was little camera tricks that he kind of came up with. That weren't yeah, really like, time. like the whole thing with the uh, uh, the actual Evil Dead, like they literally like took two two by fours and nailed them together to make like a little cross, and then mounted the camera to that, and would just have crew members run with it, and that's how they would get like the shots of like the camera floating through the woods and going through the house and crashing through windows and stuff. Yeah, that's that. Yeah, <laughs> ingenuity with with making that film, which as a filmmaker i like super like admire and whatnot plus i think it's just it's a cool story you know a bunch of people go to to get away find a book of the dead some shit goes down and next thing you know he's got a chainsaw for a hand and is transported to the medieval times (laughs) i mean all the first three movies all take place one after another so yeah, just, I, I I have yet to watch any of the other ones. I just watched the first one. Someone, yeah, someone told me. Two is my favorite out of the whole franchise. Okay. Definitely okay. recommend two. Uh, Army of Darkness isn't really my bag, but I can see why people like it. Okay. Joaquin, did you have anything about the Evil Dead you wanted to chime in before we move on? It was Evil Dead 2, right? Oh, uh, I put no. the first one because... Even though I like the second one more, it's more of a horror comedy, whereas the first one is more of just a straight horror film. I think that The Evil Dead is one of Sam Raimi's greatest films, if not the greatest, because it's, that's, that's his breakout movie. More than Spider-Man. And more than Spider-Man 2. Do you know why I say that? Because it was his first success, like no, that no. got him in the door for Spider-Man Two. You know what I mean? Like was, I was that? Big. I was kidding. I was kidding. Okay, so uh, who wants who wants to go next? I forget whose turn it is. Uh, yeah, it was I. My my my. my it's in a gas. I think it's Gaspar's turn, right? Or J. It's either J D or Gaspar's because no, like was, I went and Phil went. Because you had the exorcist, I had the dead, Gasper had Pan's Labyrinth. What you got, Jados? 
Ah, uh, the Blair Witch Project. All right. Man. Blair Witch Project, the movie that made everyone think they could make a movie. Well, it did. Uh, the Paranormal Activity guys it certainly made them think they could make a horror film. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, it was the first, <laughs> it was the first ever uh, found footage film, man. And and I mean, it wasn't the first ever, but it was like the first mainstream one. The first mainstream, yeah. And the thing about it too, like I was saying, like you know, we, we mentioned earlier, it was a uh, it was the first film. Well, not the first film, but it definitely. It built uh, the way it marketed itself was genius because it it made you believe that it was a real thing. They they put it out as a found footage film, and everyone, you know, there was no there was no fucking <laughs> there was no internet, there was no social media, so we couldn't verify this shit. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, you know who's gonna be in the movie, what the movie's about before, you know, before the fucking actors are Snapchatting yeah. pictures of themselves on set, you know. So um, yeah, and I mean, I remember when that film came out, like. At least fifty percent of your moviegoers thought it was real, just because yes. of how it was marketed, and the fact that since the internet wasn't a thing, people weren't used to having to double check and fact check every single thing they encompass. <laughs> which is which was great because we we you know I as a kid, my older cousins told me it was real, so we're watching it. and It's horrible, you know. It's like scary, and. Of course, as I got older, obviously, I know that wasn't real, but the, I appreciate it even more now because how they tricked everybody and they use actors you wouldn't recognize. Um, everyone's audition for the film was they asked everybody, um, they put them in a scenario said, this is, uh, you're, you're, you're someone who, who is about to go to jail for life and you have one last statement to give the jury before they make the decision go and that was everybody's little um improv scene to, to to do on the fly for the directors and the producers and that's how they got in the best ones got in by their best you know on the fly um uh, uh what was it called uh um monologue so um really good acting and i i uh i really wanted to get someone who was involved with the film on but I don't think I it's gonna happen just yet. Maybe, maybe later on. Everybody, cross your fingers. Well, miracles happen. What's crazy is like is, is how they like made the film, like the behind the scenes of the production. Because yes. like, most of the film was shot by the actors themselves, and they were really like camping out in the woods. And the filmmakers would like leave them notes, like like every day the filmmakers would do like a food drop with like lunch and rations and stuff, and they'd put notes in there about like shit for the places for the actors to go and shit for them to do and things they may want to say and you know shit like that um and so there's a lot of improv from the actors as far as that goes i know as the production went on the filmmakers were giving them less and less food to make them more irritable to help with their acting so like by the end it's like half a granola bar and a banana and that's it for the whole day um i know at one point like the actor who played josh like He's go he's reading his note and it just says at some point today when no one's looking, leave. Don't tell him. Wow. Leave and don't come back. So the actress had no idea Josh was gonna fucking disappear. <laughs> wow. I didn't know that. So their reaction was real. It was like yeah, an induced feeling, yeah. Filmmakers would wait for like the actors to fall asleep and then start shaking their fucking tents and shit. And um my my favorite story is uh uh you know that part in the film where they're fucking running and, and Heather's got the camera and she's like, oh, yes. 
that? What the fuck is that? But we never yeah. see reacting to because they didn't film it. Um, apparently, they hired like a really old, really skinny, frail old guy, and they stuck him in like long johns and put him out in the woods. So you just have like this pale, white, skinny humanoid figure like in the woods. And so, what the fuck is that? What the yeah. fuck is that? But they were so scared they didn't film it. Nice. And the fucking poor old guy like fell into a puddle and got soaking wet. So, you know, he was even more miserable than the actors, and he didn't even make it into the film. Oh <laughs> damn! <laughs> I, I think you told me that before. That's hilarious. That there, there were they. I saw an interview with uh with the actors, and you know, they never really made movies after that. And they said that there was such a horrible experience dealing with the people afterwards. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, most movies aren't made that way, <laughs> so yeah. I think we need to stipulate that not, not most movies aren't don't go through that kind of process. Right. Yeah. But, um. I know. Did you guys see any of the other Blair Witch movies, like Book of Shadows or nah, I saw that remake? One. I saw Book of Shadows. Uh, I remember when it came out liking book of shadows but in hindsight it's a very flawed film that's very generic yeah. and i know uh the poor studio like hacked that film to death in the edit to the point where it was so far removed from the director's vision that he tried to get his name taken off of it wow like one like one subtle thing is like he wanted it to be more of like uh more psychological and have like it's slowly like start normal and then slowly get more and more creepy and more and more intense, have to be like a slow build. And yeah. the studio like hacked the shit out of it and put those like filmed all those flashbacks with, you know, the dude from burn notice in the fucking insane asylum. And none of that was in the original film. And they like completely changed the tone and the pacing and everything. Um, like just one subtle thing is like originally he wanted the film to open with that Frank Sinatra song, witchcraft. You know, which if you, everybody fucking knows that song. And the student yeah. to Marilyn Manson. So, like, right there, the whole fucking tone of the movie is completely 180 right from the jump. So I kind of want to see his original version because from what I was looking online, it sounds way more interesting than what we got. Yeah. But I do kind of like the idea where um, it's a sequel, but it's a sequel that acknowledges that the first film is a movie. Because it's like people in the real world reacting to the hype of the Blair Witch Project film. Oh, so, I see. Okay. Which two? It's acknowledging that the first one was just a movie. So I do kind of like that. Um, I saw the the reboot, like the 20, was it 2016, 2014, whatever one that one, that reboot. Um, it was fine. It's basically like if the first movie happened in present day and you can kind of tell because they have like drones and cell phones and shit and the pacing is a lot faster. Um, it was fine. It just came across as like more generic and more like repeating the beats that worked in the first film without adding much new. So I think it's a testament that the fucking shitty low budget, we're going to film this on a DV cam camcorder and fuck with our actors movie is the one that like, stands the test of time after all these <laughs> you know i'll say this man i feel I, I didn't i think i watched book of shadows when it first came out um 
and I don't think I ever went back to check, you know, to see it again. I don't even remember it that well. I do remember it was like Heather's brother, right? No, but with, oh. with the the so with the reboot, the re, the 2016 reboot, it was like I think it was like Heather's sister okay. who going into the woods and trying to find clues as to where she's because she apparently she fucking disappeared and okay. so and she gets a group of people together and they go in the woods and they're going to try and figure out what happened to her and Josh and everybody and shenanigans ensue <laughs> as they should yeah yeah exactly that was the reboot that was like the, I, the 2016 reboot so what i what i was going to say is like for me the like the blair witch is one of those where i don't really i guess it makes sense that they would make a second part because of how big the first one was but artistically i think that's one of those that you don't need to touch you don't you don't i don't really need a blair witch sequel just like i don't really i, ne- I didn't need an exorcist sequel but you know <laughs> i guess yeah it makes it makes money i guess you know i mean there's a lot of movies that didn't need sequels and yet here we are exactly yeah so um but yeah that's that's my first one on my list that i that i i had to re I had to reevaluate my list, and that was the first one that came to mind, man. Um, unless you guys have anything else to say about that one, uh, I think G- Gaspar Oza is another one. Uh, yeah, no, just really quickly, the, uh, I wish the whole, like, found footage thing hadn't been a thing. Like, I I remember, um, you know, I watched the Blair Witch Project, and I can't say that I liked it, but I watched it several times. It made me really uncomfortable. And then when I watched the second one, I remember, like, I was like, so glad that it wasn't you know somebody holding like a camcorder uh but then but then yeah i think i haven't seen it since then but i think the movie falls apart uh as it goes on uh and then i was just as uncomfortable with the second anyways yeah yeah Um, like i will say one thing is as influential as the blair witch project was it did sadly bring us the found footage genre which i think we can safely say we could have done without because it's gotten a little ridiculous. Yeah. I actually like uh, the Paranormal Activity movies. I've Agreed. Seen, I've seen one, two, and, no, no, uh, three, four, and uh, the marked ones, and I actually like them. But after about an hour, you're like, okay, can we just watch a movie now? Like, oh, this <laughs> yeah. shit is cute, but all right, let's. And, and I think if I yeah, ever did, did one, for me, two two big examples are like. Uh, I forget what it was, like Apollo 12, whatever the fucking, the space one, the found footage in space. Yeah. Then it just comes oh, yeah. like, you remember that one? Yeah. Then it just comes like they're, th- they're just taking this genre and just apl- doing whatever they can to it. Because then you watch the film and the film fucking ends with like them burning up upon re-entry. And you're like, well, how did we get this footage then if it burned up on the <laughs> <laughs> it was It was through Wi-Fi, bro. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, uh, the other one was like Chronicle, like the superhero found footage movie, where it really just oh. like Mad Libs and like, what can we combine with found footage? Isn't that like Michael B. Jordan's first film? Yeah, and and yeah. Frank directed it. And I'm sure if I wasn't a filmmaker, I could just take it on its own merits. But since I'm a filmmaker, I couldn't shut off the part of my brain that was noticing the glaring flaws in the film. 
Like I'm yeah. watching this and I'm like, you're in a crowded club. There's no way I should be able to hear this dialogue with the on-camera microphone. <laughs> yeah. Or like when they introduce a second character who also films everything they do so they can cut back and forth during the conversation. Yeah, that, that doesn't make, yeah, I hate that. You know, and like there, there, there was a part at the end where he was like in like a hospital bed and there's just like a camera on a tripod and his dad comes to visit him and you just hear like a cop off screen say, uh, like an exposition line, like the camera needs to stay on as part of the investigation. And I'm like, why? There's a fucking security camera in the corner. Why do you need this one on a tripod? He's fucking sleeping. What are you doing? So like, I couldn't, I couldn't enjoy the film because I just kept noticing all those flaws. Yeah, that. I, what about Cloverfield? Do you think that one was done well? Or was just it got so it got too annoying at that point for me. That's where I'm going to go the other way because I actually really like Cloverfield. I like the second Cloverfield way more, like 10 Cloverfield really? Lane. Like, fuck, I should have put that on my list, but I think of it more as like a thriller than a horror film. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And we don't want to ten Cloverfield. We don't want to talk about it. Yeah, yeah, but he, no, he, for he, sure. It's Cloverfield I really love because I could, you know, we I grew up watching like Ultraman and Godzilla and Power Rangers and, and everything. So, you know, we're used to like giant monsters fighting and falling into buildings and then, you know, doing drop kicks on the moon and shit, but we never see like that Godzilla battle from like the people's point of view. So I actually thought, okay, well, this is actually pretty interesting. And this is an interesting way to tell this story. All right, JJ, I'm with you. I'm with you. So uh, yeah, that definitely broke some different ground. Can you guys hear me? Yeah, we can. What were you going to say again? No, I mean, uh, I'm going to move on unless anybody else has thoughts. No, yeah, I am. I'm, I'm. Everybody else is go for it, man. So, so I'm gonna cheat a little bit. Uh, no, no. I wanna talk about uh, Fatal Frame. So, Fatal Frame is a video game, and the premise is that basically you go into a haunted area, usually a haunted house, and there's ghosts, and your weapon is a camera. So if you played um, the original Resident Evil, this is uh, this kind of came out of the Resident Evil. But instead of a gun, you pick up a camera, and the camera has um, kind of exorcism power. And so it's actually pretty scary because you have to look at these, you know, ghosts kind of in the face as you're shooting uh, at them with the camera. Uh, the most popular one is Fatal Frame Two, and it's the most uh, cinematic. But I like the first one because the first one is more like it's more structured, uh, almost like a slasher movie. Like you have characters and, and you have a handful of characters and they slowly go away uh, one way or another. Um, have any any of you guys heard of it? Okay. No, not me. OK, I don't know about these guys, but not I'm, me. I'm familiar with Final Fight, but not Fatal Frame. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> What the hell? <laughs> are you are you familiar with Buffalo Bill, the serial killer? No, but I'm familiar with Buffalo Wild Wings. <laughs> um, yeah, it's pretty funny. It would actually be really cool to if at some point we could get together and I, you know, have you guys play it. It would be it would be great to see. We could do a let's play and you know watch you guys uh, kind of react. I don't know if you guys would be. Uh, Scared by it, but uh, this, this this doesn't do much for the for the listeners. All right, sorry. Are. So so yeah, it's just you know it's it's a really fun video game. Um, 
the the yeah there's not much i could say especially if you, if you guys haven't uh played it I, I don't know how much of our audience is into this sort of thing but that's basically the premise like you know you um you wander into this haunted house you find a camera and for some reason the camera has exorcism power and so whenever ghosts show up like <laughs> yeah now now i know not to pick uh non-cinematic video games for this sort of thing <laughs> Well, well, I think I, there's been other video games that have used that mechanic. Like, wasn't it like the the Outlast game where you're in like that that mental asylum with inmates, and you, you the whole you have like your your camcorder that you use as like a a, a device and, and the thing. I don't know. I've I've only played it once, and it was years ago. What console? So, was that one for? Mechanics you're talking. What console was that one for? Uh, I played it on the PC, but I think it might have been on other stuff it was recent what did it, it was use, did, it use, like, did it use first person shooter mechanics yeah it did and then like you have like a camcorder and like the camcorder has night vision and so that's how you can see in the dark is using the night vision on the camcorder but your camcorder runs out of batteries so you have to like constantly find batteries for your camcorder and then at one point you get attacked by a thug and your camcorder gets cracked and every time you use it there's a big crack on your screen oh so, Okay, yeah, yeah. So, so the beauty about this one is that it's um, the controls are actually really, really clunky, and that that was kind of the thing that uh, Resident Evil does really well, um, is that controls. The yeah, the controls suck. Uh, but this one, you're 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 like um, you're just a normal human being, and so you actually you run really slow, you move really slow, and I think you know by twenty twenty standards, if if you play that game, it's it can get frustrating. But the cool thing is that, yeah, you're you're kind of helpless against against the ghosts, and it's a Japanese game. So if you're into Japanese horror, like, uh, and, and you know Japanese imagery, uh, horror imagery scares you, like, it's a great game for that, um, for that sort of thing. Can you guys hear me? Anybody, anybody else uh, familiar with this? Uh, no, I, I guess it was just. Yeah. I, I think it's Casper. All right. Okay. 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 All right. We, maybe we'll get around to playing that one day. We, we should. Um, sure. Yeah. If it's for like sure. Final fight. Then I'm down. No. All right. <laughs> like final fight. <laughs> um, jo uh, Joaquin, what's next on your list, homie? He's not here. Oh. He oh. left again. Um. Uh. Then I guess we'll just Wait, go to Phil. Back. He's back. He's back. Okay. Joaquin, what's next on your list, homie? Uh, next on my list is, um, let's see, Hereditary. Hereditary, fucking a, I love yes. that movie. Yes, I, 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 so, um, Ari Aster. It's the first film that I know him for. I'm not sure what, what he's done before that, but this is the one that definitely put him on the map. Um, is it's a film that sort of it's a slow burn, kind of reminds you of like Rosemary's Baby and and some of those slow burn horror films from like the 70s, you know, that, that time period, the Stepford Wives, that yeah. sort of thing, and. I like how it eases you. I love, you're going to notice the theme with some horror movies. I love how it sort of eases you into the terror. Like, because it opens up with a tragedy. 
right? Because the matriarch of the family, the grandmother is dead. And you're thinking, oh my, how horrible. And then you realize there's all this other stuff under the surface. And what I think is really interesting is not just like if you come into this and you're like, yo, supernatural horror is not my thing because I don't believe in things that go bump in the night. That's totally okay. Because the theme of this is so well worked, is so well um, worth the watch. And the theme is how our family can negatively affect us through our adulthood and, and how we can pass on certain negative traits onto our children. That's the theme. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the the metaphor of the crazy demon that they, you know, that the cult worships. Spoiler alert, by the way, for those folks who haven't seen it yet. But, you know, the idea that the grandmother practiced this and believed in this and it's affecting her grandchildren even after her death. Um, and they also talk about things like not dealing with the supernatural, just with the way the grandmother raised her daughter that was kind of unhealthy or or toxic, you know, and they they hint at that. So the themes are are a little surface level as well. So if the mainline horror doesn't, if you can't see past the mainline horror into what the film's really trying to say, you can also glean from comments made by the characters that this is what this film is all about. and it was, it was so fresh, you know what I mean? It was, it was, it's kind of like, I think that's what you were referring to with an exorcism gone right, right? When you were <laughs> yeah, that's saying, what, yeah, yeah, a successful exorcism. Uh, no, yes. a successful possession. It, 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 it's that's that's the the way I see the story as. Okay. Um, I, I thought it was a fresh, like, you know what, man, um, when I saw it, 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 it didn't, it didn't have cheap jump scares for me. It had, it definitely had an eeriness to it that made me uncomfortable. It was more of a, for me personally, it made me uncomfortable more than anything. It's just like, whoever did this story or whatever, they definitely did their homework on, on the occult and on uh you know like the whole king payment thing kind of freaked me out because that's a that's a that's some real shit man i don't okay whether you believe it or not that people that that all that exists is one thing but there are little secret groups that worship certain deities to this day (laughs) you know and joaquin right right and to this day so so it just they did their homework on on a lot of that and um and it just adds to the eeriness of it yeah that the, that's something that struck me as every now and then when you're watching one of these films you see something and you go that almost sounds realistic enough to be true so i actually looked up the um you know the 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 uh source material for the film, and it turns out uh, there's some ancient scripture that isn't used in mainstream Judaism, um, that uh, Book of Solomon or whatever they, they, they call it in, in the film, hereditary, that that's actually from a, a real Book of ancient what? source. I think it's called the Book of Solomon. 
Oh. Yeah, because the the idea was well in, okay. in or the book of Enoch. Yeah, or a book of Enoch. Maybe it was book of Enoch. But yeah, but the, the yeah, this, I think, I think so. but this book that that Ari Aster uses as reference is an ancient religious text that isn't you know used in mainstream Judaism and Pi- the Pimean yeah. being uh, is a little bit different when you look at the actual original text of course it's it's a fictional film so they take liberty with it but um, I thought it was kind of cool that he chose such an obscure reference and I think uh, Phil and I had this conversation years ago about Frosted Mini Fears. He said, you know, it's fine and all to just, because I've always come in with the philosophy of um, if you're going to make something up, then go ahead and make that thing up, whether it's a city or a video game system or whatever. And then Phil and Chap were like, well, we find it best when you can sort of implant a kernel of truth, a kernel of fact, or at least something almost similar enough in your story to kind of ground it. So it's like, that sounds familiar. Like there is actually this book that has references to these names. It may be altered a little bit for the sake of the script, but you know what I mean? That sort of grounds it, makes it even more creepy. Yeah, the thing behind it was like, okay, well, A is true and B is true, They'll probably believe C is true, even if C is something you just made up. Yep. Which is uh, kind of like what the uh, the exorcist did, you know, because that was a real case, and they they changed part of it. But yeah, yeah, it it kind of reminds yeah, me no, of that. That <clears throat> aside from, go ahead. Sorry. Joaquin, you there? Well, I think uh, I think we lost him. But what I was—I don't know if he. I can you know, hear him. I can hear him. And for the Human Torch. Well, one thing you know, instead of giving him a Bang Whiz V8 for him to drive, he gave him a, like a Jaguar or whatever was popular at the time for teenagers to walk drive in the '60s. So he was like, you know, I wanted to ground superhero stories in in reality. Right, right. No, and um, aside from from the the writing and uh, the story itself, <clears throat> and not, not, you know, the, they did it on purpose, which I'll say it. But the the um, the actress, she had a she has like a uh, uh, oh, I don't want to say disease. A well, yeah, um, she looks she looks younger than she is, and she has a you know kind of odd look to her. And I don't know what it was. It, it added like a, a creepiness to it because she was also a creepy child herself. And uh, I think that's what they were going for. And I always like it when they actually cast some some someone with like a an odd look, like in Stranger Things, that kid with the with the weird disease he has. It just you know kind of uh, which I appreciated on on the acting level because they hire actors that a lot of people probably wouldn't hire. So that's a good that's a good choice, man. Anybody else uh, want to chime in on? Her I don't think I've seen that one. I, I I know I haven't seen that one. Okay, I definitely su- suggest you guys check that out. Um, 
it, it's 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 a slow burn and it's definitely it made me uncomfortable <laughs> so I, I don't i watch a lot of films and you know a lot of horror films and that was one of the better ones that i've seen recently um i'll, I'll say man uh phil what's next for you man okay all right i got one that hopefully you guys saw because i saw this when i was a kid and uh it's been on my list ever since i'm talking about the classic event horizon tell me y'all have seen event horizon I have not. Sixth grade. Wow. Sixth grade with my best friend at the time from kindergarten. So, so basically, it's a, it's a sci-fi horror film. Um, it takes place on the ship, the Nebuchadnezzar. And it's got Lawrence Fishburne. It's got Sam Neill. Um, basically, there's this ship that has like this experimental like hyperdrive. And it disappears as soon as they activate it. And then it shows up again, and the crew is gone. And so there's the ship that's sent out on like a rescue mission to find out what happens. Some creepy shit starts going around. Fucking Sam Neill turns into a psychopath, starts murdering people. It turns out the fucking hyperdrive like sends you to fucking hell, and fucking drives you insane. So it's it's a fantastic film. Uh, it's weird seeing Lauren Fishburne with hair, but. Uh, whatever. <laughs> it's, it's so good though. Like as a kid, it would scare the fuck out of me because I love sci-fi. So as a kid, I would watch like Star Trek and Red Dwarf and Farscape and you know all these other like sci-fi stuff. And usually those are like optimistic for the most part. But this, I had never seen like a sci-fi horror film where it's like, all right, you'll fucking die if you go outside because there's no atmosphere and. You know, some of the things that would happen were just freaking horrifying. Like, it's a very graphic film. Like, I definitely should not have been watching it as a fucking nine-year-old or however I was when it came out. Um, Joaquin, you said you've seen it. Joaquin? Fun. Yeah. Okay, that's all she wrote, I guess. But <laughs> um, well, so I get film. I definitely recommend, especially if you like sci-fi. I yeah. definitely checking it out. Um, okay. Okay. It's weird seeing Sam Neill um, play that kind of role, where he's essentially like a serial killer in space, because you're used to him as being like the guy the, from Jurassic Park. Who doesn't Park. know, but. Yeah, with the fire. Yeah, right. That's the guy you're talking about, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're starting to cut out, JD. You get closer okay. to the Wi-Fi. Oh, sorry about that. No, yeah, that's that's all. That's the only thing I know that guy has, other than the Thor cameo. Yeah, that's the thing. Um, it's weird. He doesn't act much. Um, he owns like a vineyard. And so, like, he'll post on Twitter, like, pictures of him with his, like, wine that he bottles and whatnot. And I think, like, his Twitter bio even says, like, professional winemaker occasionally acts if pressed. That's hilarious. But okay, all right. check it out. I'll check it out. I, I, so far, I think I've seen everything on everybody's list except well except for the fucking video games which we said film fucker <laughs> um but that i'll definitely i look it, forward 
I look forward to watching. It's, that. it's definitely what you would call cosmic horror, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Very Lovecraftian. I think that's okay. actually the first Lovecraftian thing I ever saw. <laughs> it's either that or the episode okay. where, like, Superman, the Superman animated series, where he goes up against like kind of Cthulhu. Yeah. All right, so the next one on my list, um, it's a Wes Craven film that's not very well known, which, which it should be. I don't know if you guys are familiar with this. Uh, the People Under the Stairs. Oh, for a minute I thought you were going to say New Nightmare, but okay. No, New Nightmare is, well, yeah. That, but People Under the Stairs is, uh, it, it, I think it's in the 80s. It's, it's, um, it's Wes Craven's. I I I don't know. Uh, I don't know why it didn't get as popular as other ones. It was definitely good. Um, it just it was 1991. Sorry, ni- ni- 1991. Um, Brandon Adams. He's the lead, which he was a. He was like the. He's also in the Sandlot. He's the pitch. The pitcher. The black guy. The only black guy in the Sandlot. You remember that, right? Anybody seen the Sandlot? Yeah. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, okay. So the the picture, the the only black kid in their group, he's he stars in in the people under the stairs. It's about this this kid. And uh, well, first of all, have you, any of you guys seen it? No, I haven't seen it. No, I haven't. Okay, it's it's it takes place in the hood, and it's this kid who his his mom is sick and she's she can't work, she's dying, and um. He's getting desperate because he's the only boy of the house, and his sister's boyfriend is like a criminal, played by Ving fucking Reigns, super young. Oh. Uh, he's he's a thief, and they want to go and do something. Um, you know, he wants to get the kid involved to make some money, and uh, um, I, I don't want to spoil it for people who haven't seen it, but it it actually. It, it, the the premise is they they go and rob they go and they fuck with the wrong house that's <laughs> to say to say the least but it's it's super gory for the time um it has a lot to do with cannibalism the 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 they're like funeral homeowners uh the villains and and they're cannibals so it has that weird it's it's one of those films that kind of it, it reminds me of Texas Chainsaw but if that existed in like the hood you know what i'm saying so it has that creepy vibe to it, and um, it, it also has those though the feeling of like uh, you feel gross when you're watching. You, you ever seen a movie and the set or people on the set? They it seems adult gross. movies, and no, no, not adult movies. Just like like Texas Chainsaw. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it it seems like like the house stinks. That's what the, I I get from this film too. There's a scene where they have like a bunch of flies like dead flies all over the windows and that just it, it, it gives you those heebie-jeebies and really good film i highly suggested man it's it's uh it's it's i would call it a slasher um but it has a lot of good scares like good jump and um it also has some it has some weird sexual stuff that you know i i if you watch it you'll know what i'm talking about <laughs> But I highly suggest it. It's Wes Craven, man. Like Wes Craven's, um, you know. I, I of course, Scream and and Scream and, and Nightmare on Elm Street are like his most popular things, aside from Hills Have Eyes. After that, and 
Um, this was one of those that didn't really get, I had has doesn't have the, the um, doesn't get mentioned as much when you talk about Wes Craven, but definitely worth a watch, man. That's my number two, number two on my list. Uh, Wes Craven I, I, is amazing. Okay, uh, amazing. Uh, who's next? It's either Joaquin or Gas- Gasper. I mean, Gasper, it, yeah, because Gasper. Started. So, so it's hard to tell. This is uh, gonna be in my top anything, but I want to talk about it because I just saw it. That's us. Um, so I actually really, really, really like uh, Jordan Peele. Um, I really liked uh, what's the other one called? Get out. Get out. Us? Get out. And then because um, he was like that comedy guy with Keegan Michael Keel and. Yeah, I was going to say, I actually didn't watch the show until after, um, I, I think, because it came out, what, in the early 20-teens? Uh, it was more recent than that. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I don't know. Wait, are you talking, to, are you talking the show, about I'm the talking show about or yeah. the movie? The show was like... 2015 2014 yeah, yeah yeah so i mean my yeah uh, my kid was born in 2015 so i was busy at the time um <laughs> yeah. pregnant? I, was, I was yeah i was i was taking care of pregnant chick anyways um so i missed it and, and it wasn't until after that i started watching the you know clips here and there but um what i really like about us is that a lot of common themes um are either flipped on their head or it just it, it just changed for example a lot of the slasher movies uh tend to be about like um i think female sexuality right where it's like the virgin gets to live and everybody else who 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 who's promiscuous dies uh i i think you know us has a lot of um slasher elements but it has nothing to do with anybody's sexuality. Um, the other thing is that, uh, you know, in a lot of slashers, you get um, you get a handful of characters and they all die except for maybe one or two at the end. And this one, um, I, oh man, I, I, I guess I don't want to spoil anything, but it doesn't do, it doesn't use that template where you have, um, actually I'm getting into spoiler territory. Who, who has not seen this movie? I've seen I it. haven't seen it. Okay. Um, the other thing is 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 really where 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 the monster, if you will, comes from. Uh, it's 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 supposed to symbolize um, uh, a slave uprising, and there's not a whole lot of movies, at least in the mainstream Hollywood that I've seen, that even touch that that topic. Um, and so it was really nice to see that. And to me, it wasn't obvious to me. Um, I had to figure. Um, I, I looked it up afterwards. Um, that that that's what it meant. But um, and you know, you'll see little um, nuggets here and there where like he's trying to uh, Peel is trying to tell you like, hey, uh, this is supposed to deal with with these types of uh, you know social issues. Um, so I certainly appreciate that. Um, the other thing is that the uh, the protagonist uh, Lupita Nyong'o, I think I think that's her name. Um, she is amazing. I had I don't think I had ever seen her in anything, uh, but she plays what? she plays two characters, and actually everybody plays two characters, and really everybody is it, it's insane how 
you mean those aren't evil versions of those characters? Um, <laughs> I I didn't watch the uh, the commercial. I I knew nothing about the movie until I saw it. I, I had seen the 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 poster or the thumbnail or whatever, okay. but I knew nothing about it. I, all I knew was that Peel had done it. So I was like, uh, that's it. That's all I have to know. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. I think I think that's that's it. Okay. All right. Yeah. I haven't, I, I, I haven't seen that yet. I just watched get out for the first time today. So I see, I guess from what you just said, I see the themes that he kind of puts in there that, you know, you have to pay attention to. Yeah, I, I, don't think, I don't think you have to, at least not, not you, you know, like, I think if you're a person of color, uh, you don't have to like, like turn on your brain. A lot of those things will, will, you'll get them automatically um like okay for example a lot of those um 80s movies whether it's horror or anything like a lot of it it it, to me personally it doesn't seem relatable i feel like a lot of it is is like middle class issues like um and and yeah i I don't know (laughs) yeah i when i saw us i definitely took it in as this is clearly a critique on classism in the united states yeah like the clones depicted in the film, spoiler alert, seem to represent the underclass. And those of us that are living above ground are middle class and up. Um, the forgotten, the downtrodden. And like Jordan Peele, it, watching us, and from what I've read and heard about um, his first breakout movie, um, Get Out, it totally makes sense that he is the showrunner for the new Twilight Zone because the original Twilight Zone tackled social issues. And Jordan Peele tackles these social issues head on in his horror and thriller work. So, I mean, I've, I've watched the first season of, uh, of the new Twilight Zone with him helming it. And I'm like, yeah, no, this is totally like every single episode feels like, you know, it's in that direction, in that modern Twilight Zoneian vein, and that's what us brought to the table. It's it's an hour long, superbly executed episode of the Twilight Zone, and I don't even mean that as a downplay. I mean that as like a, a positive notion, because yeah, no, it's really dope. Yeah. Your take on it as like a slave uprising? Well, no, I like I, um, oh, sorry, go ahead. I said I like that. I like your take on it as a slave uprising. I think that's very appropriate comparison. Yeah. Yeah. No, I haven't seen that yet. Um, I just watched Get Out today for the first time, another Jordan Peele film. So I, I, I really enjoyed it, and um, it was not what I was expecting at all. Uh, so the, yeah, Us is. Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I have yet to watch it. I, I don't feel like it's. Well, I don't feel like it's spoiled anything yet. So. Yeah, yeah, there's, there's still <laughs> plenty guys... in the movie. It's it's very late. Right. Okay. All right. Unless you got anything else, everybody, I think uh, Joaquin's next. Okay. All right. So. What you got? What you got? What you got? All right. All right. All right. So I've done what two already? Yeah. All right. So time to go into my third movie. And. All right. I'm just gonna say it. Stephen King's The Mist. Ooh, fucking another one I haven't seen. <laughs> you know, 
it's more like what what's really good about Stephen. Um, when you read his books, the amazing descriptions, the awesome detail, and then the characters, you know, they really drive the story home. Um, without those characters to anchor anchor you in the world, you know, the those the concepts just wouldn't work. And in some cases, the best horror isn't necessarily the monsters lurking. Like, it, you know, it's the people that are yeah. having to function in this world gone wrong. And the mist entirely, in, you know, just captures that. Like, yeah, there's this crazy mist that's rolled into town. And we're all hunkered down in the local grocery store. But... It's not just the creatures out there that worry us. It's the crazy religious nutcase that's got everybody thinking that, you know, she's the end all be all and we should just listen to her because it's obviously the end of the world. And she's the only one sitting here spouting lines from Revelation. And if she says we should go stone a person because they did something, then we should probably go stone them. Or, what happened is is it, it was just something that like our government was doing tooling around with stuff that they shouldn't have and you know like it it's it's good stuff it's good stuff is this is this the one with the with the brutal ending yeah okay, it, okay. It, it's funny cuz in the original ending of the book um the characters just kind of drive off into uncertainty like they leave the supermarket and they just go further on into this endless mist that seems to engulf the entire world. The movie has a more hopeful ending slash not really. <laughs> Quick question. Was the film made by John Carpenter? Um, am I tripping? Am I tripping? I think I'm tripping. No, I can't remember the director right now, but I'm pr- I know it wasn't John Carpenter. Okay. All right. Okay. No, never mind. I have yet to see that one. But I've heard a lot of good things about it so far. So there's a great Stephen King reference in that film. The main character is a guy that um, his living is to paint uh, Hollywood movie posters, and so he's working on a poster. And in the book, it, it, that's how it works out. In the movie, they show him doing this, and he's painting uh, a classic book cover for Stephen King's novel, The Dark Tower. The Dark Tower. Oh, and if you're man. if you're a, if you're a you know a wide-eyed fan and you're looking close enough you'll go oh that's Roland <laughs> slick oh, okay. I, I think I think uh, I think I know the brutal ending Gasper is talking about and I think that's the fog not the mist oh okay okay never mind then I have no 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 the mist has an ending that will make you go oh this poor man. Oh no. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> okay, all right. So, what about you, Phil? Unless you got, unless anybody still got uh, something on the mist. Okay. Well, so we we, we talked about him earlier. We're going to talk about him again. Uh, I go back and forth on which one I like more. So we're going to talk about both. I got a Nightmare on Elm Street, the original, and a Nightmare on Elm Street Three, the Dream Warriors. Oh, there's been a lot of Nightmare on Elm Street movies, been a lot of Freddy Krueger movies uh, to varying quality levels. But I think 
ironically, I think the ones that Wes Craven did, one, three, a new nightmare are like the best in the series. Uh, four is not new- bad. Um, what, uh, four is not bad. Uh, Freddy versus Jason is fine and mindless. It was a fun, it was a fun film. But then you get to films like Nightmare on Elm Street 2 and Freddy's Dead, where you're just kind of like, really, really beating <laughs> yeah. this horse enough. But one and three, I think, I think are the best. Um, okay. I like New Nightmare, but I don't, I don't know. I have, I have a weird relationship with a New Nightmare. Like I love the New Nightmare probably more than any of them. Really? To be honest, because the reason I yes. don't like a New Nightmare is it acknowledges that the other films are just films. Whereas, That's what I love about whereas, it. That was an interesting take. Yeah, whereas one and three are like building on each other and building on the lore. Um, so, but but like, you know, like if you, I, I'm assuming everybody here has seen at least a Freddy Krueger movie. I, I've seen one. I've seen a new nightmare. I'm, I think I've seen two. Pretty sure I've seen three. Two is really bad. Two is when instead of having a damsel in distress, they tried to have a dude in distress, and it, it didn't work. But um, what I what I liked about three is that you know they bring Nancy back, and she has of course. Been, these kids are going through, you know, the whole thing with Freddie again. And Nancy comes back and she's already been through this. So she acts almost like, like a superhero mentor to these kids and trains them on like how to fight Freddie. And that's where the name, you know, the dream warriors comes from because that's what the kids turn into. They become the dream warriors and fight Freddie on his own turf. And I really like that. And I like how it builds on the world that was established in the first one. And I think that first Nightmare on Elm Street movie, uh, it holds up even more so than like the remake that they did in was it 2012, whenever the hell that remake was. Like, like no one talks. Well. Yeah, like no one talks about the remake. It's super forgettable, but the original like still holds up. Like this- I'm gonna, what's that? I'm gonna give you some bad news. <laughs> oh my God, Dados. Not really bad news. To me, this is good news. I, I don't know if you've heard about the latest update on. Nightmare on Elm Street is the uh, Robert England is taking over uh, as a director. Okay, which is good because he, as everyone knows, anyone listening, Robert England is the original Freddy. Yeah, and he's taking over for director, obviously, because Wes Craven is no longer here. Um, and he, according to this article I read, who he wants to see play Freddy Krueger from now on is uh, uh, Kevin Bacon, which I fucking love. That would be Kevin Bacon. I mean, I thought the dude from Watchmen did an all right job, but I don't know. Uh, he didn't have charisma to me. Yeah, for me. Well, see that he, didn't yeah. have, he was scary. He was definitely scary. But because what it was as the Nightmare and Elm Street films went on, Freddy became more and more of a comedic character, and they became way more jokey and way more campy. And he was he did have some charisma and some playfulness to him but he was much more sinister in the first couple films, like the first three films. And so I can't do what they do with the remake is is take all the silliness away and try and make him serious and scary again. So I get that, but I think they went too far in that direction and they kind of lost the charm that made people like, you know, Freddie to begin with. 
Right. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Can I, did... I, I love the idea that uh, this town finds out this dude is a pedophile, so they burn him alive. I kind of think that's like the perfect course of action. I totally condone that. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> um, and I, 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 that's why I also like a new, a new nightmare because it kind of made him sinister again. He wasn't as funny as he usually is. Yeah, as he was in the, in the last two films, um, and they, and they kind of made him. They made it scarier than 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 he had been for a while, you know. Yeah, I know when uh, you know, the franchise was in dire straits at that point. I think Freddy's Dead was the last one before that, um, and the you know the New Line had brought Wes Craven back to do the next installment, and apparently he watched like all the other Freddy films that he didn't do. He watched like all fucking eight Freddy films, and was just like. I can't save this. We're just going to start over. <laughs> Which he did. Fuck, he did for yeah. sure, man. All right, okay, all right. Um, I, uh... Gasper, have you ever seen Have you seen any of the Nightmare on Elm Street films? So I watched, can you guys hear me? Yeah. yeah. So I watched uh, I probably most of them when I was a little kid, um, and I never liked them. Um, you know what always made me uncomfortable with the slashers was that, like, I always tended to identify with like not the main character and anybody who's not the main character was probably going to die. Anyways, I watched the uh, the first one about probably about a year ago. I think it was on Netflix and I went into it expecting to hate it and I actually liked it. I uh yeah, I was like surprised that that I don't know. The the first one is so good. Yeah. Like it is. There's a couple things were like i remember like the first time i watched it like you know obviously nobody fucking believes nancy you know and then like she like pulls freddie's hat out of the dream world into the real world and they still don't fucking believe her and that was the point where i'm like are you people are dumb i hope you die holy shit she's literally holding his charred hat right now how are you still not believing her <laughs> yeah i I will say this too for Halloween. That is like one of the most common costumes of all time, the Freddy costume. Yeah. yeah. What's What's yeah. crazy? Like Robert England is like so passionate about this franchise that when like fans bring him like Freddy gloves to sign, he can tell whether it's like a replica of the one from the first one or the third one or the sixth one. Like he knows like all the fucking nuanced details and shit. Oh, I think wow. that's fucking cool. Because I saw this video where he was signing a glove for somebody. He was like, oh, this is the one we used in two because the hook came like this. In the first one, we had it like this, and it went under. And then on the fourth one, we changed it to this. And I'm like, holy shit. You fucking know the nuances of your slasher glove. That's badass, dude. Yeah. Hey, that's, a, that's committed to the role, man. That's what that is, commitment for, to the role. But, sure. but then I just flash back to, like, Star Trek fans asking William Shatner questions at conventions and him just rolling his eyes like, look, you fucking nerd, it's not a real spaceship, okay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what was your favorite glove? I, the new Nightmare glove was dope. I, I, like, that was, like, one of my favorites, man. The new Nightmare, not... the glove was dope. I didn't like his costume. I thought his costume was kind of lame. What, the trench coat? Yeah, yeah, and, like, the... Yeah, it's just, I don't know. I, I didn't like the ending. I'll say that. I didn't like the ending for that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. 
Um, on my list next, unless you guys have anything else to cover on. Nope. Uh, uh man. Uh, this one is one of one of the most fun uh, films that gets me in the mood for like Halloween. You know, because remember this is a fucking Halloween month. Um, uh, it's a film called Fright Night, the original Fright Night from 1985, not the remake from 2011 with Colin Farrell. The original was with. Uh, have you guys seen that? Have you guys? I haven't seen either version. I don't think I've okay. seen it. Okay. What about you, Phil? Uh, I couldn't hear that, but uh, yeah, it's it's a fun. Uh, it's a. I, I watched it as a kid. It kind of scared me as a kid, but it's it's. A, I guess you could call it a horror. It's a, it's. In its in its day, it must have been scary. The the, uh, you know the um the makeup, the effects. I guess they're they're a little cheesy now because I just watched it two days ago, but it's still it's it's a fun horror film. I, I guess you could consider it a, uh, a slasher. It's it's based on uh, this kid. He notices his new neighbors moving in, and they're bringing in a coffin, and it's it's a vampire film, right? It's a vampire film. Uh, Chris Sarandon. Have you guys familiar with Chris Sarandon? He's uh he plays the uh, detective in uh in the first Child's Play. He's also the guy that shoots Charles E. Ray. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Very like handsome dude. Uh, you know, it, uh, he he's like this super charismatic vampire who like you know, which of course lost boys was on my list too but i i thought about like i wanted to throw in a vampire film and a cool vampire is always makes a movie cool you know entry with the vampire both of those guys were like super cool uh but this is for me i guess because of nostalgia you know it, it's one of the coolest vampire uh like the character himself he's super charismatic and he doesn't even seem like a vampire, which is why I, I like the film. He doesn't seem like a vampire. He seems like a normal dude of that time, but he's like this old vampire. It's it's, I'd say it's mostly a fun film. They remade it with uh, Colin Farrell as the vampire, and and that young kid from Star Trek that died. He plays the main guy. Was that Anton Yelchin? Anton Yelchin. He plays the main. The, the the protagonist for the for the remake which i uh the remake it's it's interesting i mean you know it, it has better effects obviously it's more of a modern day uh film it's this kid and he notices that there's a vampire next door he freaks out because he's the only one that that has seen like bodies being carried out like a he sees young pretty hookers come into the house and then he just sees um his henchmen like carry body uh, big old plastic bags outside afterwards. And he notices that. So, um, but no one believes him. It has the whole thing of no one believes him and nobody believes in vampires. You know, that he contacts like some actor who plays a vampire hunter. Cause he's like, he runs out of options. He tries to call the cops and it's just this, it's, it's hokey horror eighties horror film, but it's, it's fun to watch though. I, I if you like eighties, whatever slashers which is when they were booming um it definitely has that fun feel to it i did watch it you yeah, did recently like uh, within the last couple of years a lot of nudity yeah. <laughs> but yeah it, it's it's yeah it's a fun film yeah. um it can be scary if you, if you have kids i guess you know and it's um 
even the remake is kind of cool. And they, it, which I, what I like about the remake is they actually had a scene with Chris Randon, which I always love when they do like something to pay homage to the original one. So, um, but yeah, that's on my list. Since you're the only one, do you remember anything about it, or did you like it? Yeah, I, I did enjoy it. I, I remember there was really like, yeah, kind of. It was a, a, a fun movie. I don't know if it was meant to be fun at the time, but uh, you know, but <laughs> today it was really fun. Yeah. Yeah, we, you watched it like what? How recent? Like a, a few weeks ago, a month? No, ago? I think I watched it maybe like a year and a half ago. Okay, it, it's a fun. It's definitely a fun. Uh, like, I guess, would you consider that horror? I mean, yeah, yeah right. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, it it, it it becomes like horror comedy at times, right? Well, because of a certain character, that character, uh, the goofy guy. Yeah. Yeah, he's he adds he's obviously comic relief, which. I I do I do like when they have a really good comic relief um in in comedy in in horror because it kind of it lets you breathe a little you know Yeah <laughs> when yeah the movie, when the movie's really scary Yeah um but this one it's like super overdone and he, uh, according to someone who I watched it with he is a total like um like a party what a party guy would in the 80s sounded like so it's kind of a little time capsule in itself too Yeah yeah, but yeah, that's fright, uh, fright night. It's a fun mo- movie. I think it's free on like uh, Amazon Prime. So that's I right, get you in the mood for sure, man. And that's mine. Unless anybody got anything else, uh, then Gaspar, you're next. So the next movie I want to talk about it's called um, Perfume: The Story of a Murderer. Has anybody seen it? No, no. I haven't. Okay, I think I think it's like a maybe. Uh, I think I think it's uh, like it's 20 years old I think by now but um so it's this movie about a guy that uh he he's kind of weird like it, it there's a there's a um montage at the beginning where he's kind of abandoned by his mother and then he's picked up by a few people and like just grows up by himself right and um so he he gets picked up by this he gets taken by this guy who does perfumes right and so he, I think he learns how to make, I haven't seen it in a while, but he learns how to make perfumes. And then um, he finds out that he can make perfumes out of uh, out of women's scent. And so he pretty much ends up murdering women uh, to, 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 to create perfumes. Uh, a really uncomfortable movie. Um, the first time I watched it, I was like, this is crap. Anyways, I, I for some reason, I watched it a few more times. And the the reason why I, I really liked it, you know, it's problematic because, like, all he does is kill women. Anyways, um, the reason I liked it, at least at the time, was that the guy, like, other than the part where he killed women, it was really relatable. <laughs> I don't know if he ever listens to this. The, the the FBI is listening in on this right now, dude. You fucking psycho. Alright. Um so he's like super weird, like barely talks, eh, 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 which reminded me of my youth my youth. Well even now, you know. Anyways, except for okay. So yeah, and he just cannot connect with anybody. Like like this uh what's his name? Uh, Dustin Hoffman is is the perfume guy who 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 kind of takes him in and, and teaches him a bunch of stuff and and 
yeah, he just cannot get close to anybody. He kind of goes uh, from place to place. Um, and yeah, he just, at the end, there's this scene where he kind of realizes that that he's alone. Um, and 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 I mean nobody's gonna ever watch this. So I'll just say he, I, I I see I see why you relate. I'm just yeah yeah. yeah. <laughs> nobody's ever gonna watch this. So I'm just gonna spoil the shit out of it. Yeah, he um. So the first girl that he kills, he kills her accidentally. Uh, well, not accidentally. He she starts to make noise and he puts his hand over her face and and he doesn't mean to kill. After that, he every girl he kills after that he means to kill. But um. And so at the end, he yeah, he realizes that he's he's alone, uh, and he has really no human con- uh, connection with anybody, and so he just uh, yeah, he just uh, he pours. Okay, so he he creates like the ultimate perfume made out of uh, a bunch of women. He pours it on himself, and then like people just eat him. What a weird fucking movie! I can't believe I'm talking about this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Next, no, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> The point is that uh, I really liked it, and really nobody should watch this. Uh, uh, I'm gonna be honest. <laughs> you fucking psychopath. Yeah. Okay. All right. You know what happened was I was working at Blockbuster, and um, I was working at Blockbuster, and I rented like some B movie. I like to do that sometimes, where I'll just rent like the randomest shit. And the commercial came on for for perfume, and I was like, oh, okay. And then I read, I got it, I got perfume from Blockbuster. Guy, we were we were renting. They would give us five movies a week, and so I, you know, I gave it a shot. Anyways, yeah, don't watch it. None of you guys watch it. Listeners, don't watch it. Wait, is this is this your fifth film? No, this is uh, this is my fourth. Okay, never mind. Oh, really never quickly. Mind. So, um, oh man, I don't remember the name, but so the guy who did this movie he also did run lola run and he did uh what was that movie with the wakoskis that's like three hours long let me see hold on um have you guys seen run lola run no no okay tom tom tickler is i'm probably pronouncing that wrong but he also did um let me see if i can find it real quick said Tom uh, Tickward? Yeah. He also did um, Cloud Atlas with the Wachowski siblings. Um, but yeah, don't watch it. <laughs> All right. You're Thank telling you us that, not man. to watch one of your top five. Okay. I really like it, but I understand it. Like... Leave it Leave it alone, uh, Joaquin. <laughs> leave it alone. <laughs> uh, anyways. All right. Well, it sounds people, like the film is cursed. It does. It sounds like you just put a he just put a curse on that shit. <laughs> All sales of that film will cease to exist after this fucking review comes out. Right. Uh, but all right, okay. And now I want to. I feel watch. like if, I feel like if I wa- if I watch it out of curiosity, someone's I'm gonna die in seven days or something like that. <laughs> you start you you for some reason start developing this thing where you start looking like Gaspar. <laughs> <laughs> Um, what about you, uh, Joaquin? What's your next one on, on your list? From Dusk Till Dawn. Ooh, that's a good one. That is a good one. Chad, I love the movie, not the show, because I haven't seen the show. But the movie's fantastic. 
George Clooney gives an amazing performance. Um, the set of circles too. Hmm? Quentin Tarantino is great in that too. Yes, he was for the, for the short time that he's in there. Oh yeah, that the Gecko Brothers scene. are amazing. And I, I was fucking that's, Selma Hayek. I love me some Selma Hayek. Oh my god, that scene. That's, that scene. At the end, you know the scene. Oh yes, that he, shootout scene at the liquor store is great too, man. That was dope. That is so good. I just love the circumstances of how all these characters get together because it's serendipitous. You know, it's like you wouldn't expect this family um, that's on like a road trip in, a, in an RV to link up with these two career criminals. You know what I mean? Mm. It's the first time that I, um, that I picked up the idea that you could probably take drinking alcohol and use it to clean your wounds. <laughs> <laughs> Jack Daniels, baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I saw that film. I think they aired it on Fox, um, some some years back, like in the in the late nineties. I saw I saw it on TV, and I I just fell in love with it because I've always loved vampires, and this was like a new spin on vampires. It wasn't some castle out in Eastern Europe. It was an Aztec temple out in the middle of Mexico. What what I love what I love about it is, for like seventy five percent of the movie, it's just a great like crime criminal thriller movie, and then all of a sudden fucking vampires show up, and it's like, all right, well, this works too. (laughs) Genre surfing. (laughs) Yes, uh, that was the first time I ever saw Danny Trejo Mm. as a kid. Same here. Uh, until I actually, I'm wrong. Blood and blood out. But that was the first time I remember him. Like, oh shit, that guy, you know. And he's, yeah, that whole like the instruments. Uh, I think I saw a band have something similar to that. Like it was a, a made from that film at some like heavy metal show I went to. <laughs> and um, that that's one of those scenes that kind of like stays with you. You can smell a scene, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah. That's the first time I ever saw that classic trope that's used in a lot of zombie movies or any infection horror media where someone gets bit by the monster and doesn't tell the rest of the group. Oh, yeah. And hey, you know what? We it, we used to think, oh, my God, what a played out trope. We're seeing it in real life. Where yep. People get the COVID and don't tell anybody because they don't want to stay home for two weeks. Yep, yep, it, it it comes from actual human behavior. Yeah. <laughs> see, see, that's that's one of those cases where, like, you know, writers get it right. Where it's like, yeah, there's no such thing as vampires, but people do actually act this way. Like, people show up to work sick. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Irresponsible buggers. <laughs> and that's the first Robert Rodriguez film I've ever seen. And I think no, probably I, I love Robert Rodriguez. He's probably one of my favorite filmmakers. I love Desperado. Love the first Sin City. Uh, obviously, I love From Dust Till Dawn. El Mariachi. El Mariachi was great. Uh, I I don't I don't like Once Upon a Time in Mexico. I know Gasper loves that one. It's not for me. I didn't like it either. And I will but say Desperado, for a long time, that movie's better. Mm. 
And and I will say for a long time, it was my favorite Robert Rodriguez film until I saw Sin City. Oh yeah, like That's, yeah, Dust Till Dawn was my jam, jam a lamb, and then I saw like Sin City, and I was like, oh, oh, oh okay. <laughs> Was that the first black and white superhero film? It was, right? If you don't count the serials. Right, right, yeah. And technically, it's not really black and white because you have, like, that yellow bastard and some other characters in color. So Right, but, the, like, I mean intentional, you know? Because the one of the first... Uh, the Crow was going to be the first black and white superhero film, but they decided not to do that, which I think that would have made it more iconic. But yeah, um, I don't think I remember seeing any comic book movie in black and white when they didn't need to, you know? Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah and then, know, that's for sure. And then Frank Miller liked it so much. He made the spirit and then that was all she wrote. That was horrible. I saw that in theaters on opening day, bro. Oh, geez. The spirit had so much potential. They had a decent leading role. They had Samuel Jackson as the villain. He was good. I'll say that. He was great as a villain. It looked nice. Like, the film was shot nicely. It just, the story kind of fell flat. It, yeah. Remember that scene? Remember that scene with uh in the spirit with uh Samuel L dressed as a Nazi? I don't know if you remember that. Yes, <laughs> for me it's the only thing I remember about the film. Oh, okay, all right. Well, all right. So that from Dust Till Dawn, uh, Phil, what's next on your tank? Okay, um, trying to think. What, I'm trying to think. What would I put on my list? Uh, oh, okay. Uh, a classic that I'm. I certainly hope everybody here has seen. Uh. Alien, Ridley Scott's Alien. Motherfucker, I haven't seen it yet. I haven't seen it yet. Alien? No, dude, no. Look, trust me when I say this, JD, that Alien is almost at the best of the franchise, but it is it is it is one of the it ties with the sequel. Have you seen any of the Alien movies? No, I haven't even seen Prometheus, bro. Prometheus with just watch Alien and then watch Aliens. That's all you. Well, this is you. You made me feel. Uh, uh, me and Joaquin had a little conversation the other day, and he and he he made. Uh, I didn't know this about the film. Um, he said the first one would be considered horror. The other sequels are sci-fi. Yeah, and basically the the first one, Ridley Scott's original Alien. It's like a horror film in space. It's this. You know the the fucking crew and in, in the fucking ship, and they find this alien and fucking starts killing people one at a time. And you know you're on a spaceship, you're trapped, you can't go anywhere. And so it's like this cat and mouse game with this deadly alien with acid for blood, and it's just it's really well done and it's really scary. When James Cameron did the sequel, like literally, like I heard I heard this story from him in an interview where he said his pitch for Aliens was like. 30 seconds long like he walked into like the fox studio executive he wrote the word alien on the chalkboard and then he put an s at the end and then he turned the s into a dollar sign and that was his whole pitch and they oh made it the movie so the second one is more of like an action film like it picks up a few years after the first one 
and we follow a bunch of Marines who now have to go into this planet and get in a distress call, and it follows the events of the first film, but it's more of an action film as opposed to a horror film. And then after that, they didn't really know what to do with the franchise because the third one tried to make it a horror film again and failed, and then the fourth one tried to make it an action film again and failed, and then Prometheus was god-awful. I know Sinister Intruder loves it, but I, I can't stand that film. Um, but yeah, the first two are great, but that first one, that first alien that Ridley Scott did, it's so good. And it's so scary because you have this whole claustrophobic feel. You're on a spaceship. You can't go anywhere. You're trapped with this alien. And what's, what's great is, I don't think this is a fucking spoiler because the movie's like 50 years old, but like, you know, in the seventies, we didn't have strong female protagonists. And so everyone's expecting you know the captain to be the main character because we have this whole crew and they slowly start dying everybody expects the captain to survive to the end because that's usually what fucking happens and then the captain gets killed and it's the chick ripley who ends up being the sole survivor at the end and you no one sees that coming in the 70s like what the the woman heresy and she became like the face of the fucking franchise and so it's a journey weaver right yeah so this film like not only is it a great horror film but it was almost like the birth of like the strong female protagonist because then after that we get characters like sarah connor and laura croft and all you know every character angelina jolie has ever played and you know yeah but i don't think that happens if you don't have ripley you know in this film Okay, okay. Okay. Wa- Joaquin, Joaquin, t- t- tell this man about some aliens. Tell him about your experience with aliens. <laughs> your experience? My first time seeing it was on the sci-fi channel. And, and uh, here's the weird part. I had seen aliens um, before I saw Alien. My grandmother had it on VHS, and we saw it together down in Arkansas. And then like when Alien came on, I was like, like it was on TV one day and I was like, what is this? This creature looks familiar. Wait, that's Sigourney Wait, Wait, oh, so I kind of saw them in reverse. And Phil, I think you said everything that needed to be said about the first film. Like John Hurt is in this movie as the as the android, if I recall. And we just sort of see that cemented um, reason as to why Sigourney Weaver does not trust androids. Yeah, he um, which is which is a theme that's which is a, a trope that's carried throughout the series. Where it's like the the ro- do not trust the robots. Um, going forward to Prometheus, real quick for a second, the android David um, is sort of a, a a torchbearer for that whole don't trust the robots bit, unless you're Bishop. <laughs> Yeah, he's, um, he's the only android that yeah, gets no, that's, that's really all I have to say, except Prometheus, aside from looking nice, had some potential. I like the android character, David. I like the main female protagonist in that one, but there's a lot of problems with Prometheus that could have just been better. Um, that's it. Okay. Gasper, have you seen Alien? I have. Um, I have. It wasn't. It wasn't my jam. Same thing with the. Uh, really? Yeah. Same thing with the uh, 
dust till dust till there, there wasn't there wasn't enough perfume in these movies for him. See, that's the thing is that like that's <laughs> like I've I've seen some of these movies and they weren't my jam, and so I'm having to like pick video games and freaking perfume movies. <laughs> <laughs> All right, okay, okay. So, um, uh, Alien was your that was uh, I'm sorry, that was Phil's, right, Phil? Yeah, that was mine. All right, okay, okay. Uh, what are we on? Number four? Yeah, I think so. I think I think we're on our Yeah, I think I yeah, think we're on was... five now. Oh, so everyone's on five now. Hold, yeah. hold, wait. No, this is we're on four. Oh, we're on four. Four. Yeah. Okay. Well, all right. Um, I I thought I... Gaspar just did his fourth one. I'm sorry. I just like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He just did his fourth one. We all just. I guess we're all just did our fourth one. We have one more. Um. Okay. I, I have a long list, but I'm narrowing it down to what scared the shit out of me as a kid. And I want to going back to the, this is going back to the nineties. This is a, it's, it's, I don't, I, the only reason I'm mentioning it is because I, I feel like maybe it doesn't, a lot of people haven't seen this yet. Um, but it scared the shit out of me as a kid. It's an anthology film. It, it, it's four different stories. Uh, Tales from the Hood. Have you, any of you seen that? Uh, I've lived it because I'm poor. <laughs> Wait, what? I said I've lived it because I'm poor. Oh, okay. All right. Well, uh, Gaspar, have you seen it? He he left. Hopefully he comes back. Okay. Well, it Tales from the Hood is probably the... Aside from like the Exorcist, I don't know why the, the it's an anthology film, so it's like four different stories. Uh, uh, the Gasper, first one you've you've seen it, right, Gasper? Wait, sorry, I cut out. Which movie? Tales from the Hood. Uh, who's in that? I doubt it. Who's huh? in that? Ah, uh, shoot! Well, let, me just, I, I, let me just Google it. Go ahead, keep going. I'm gonna Google it real quick. Okay, well, it has a lot of. Um, I guess they were big at the time. Uh, uh, Joe Torrey's one of them. Um, I can't can't remember his name. He's in the movie. He's in a lot of stuff. He's the one of the main actors. There's no main actors essentially because it's a it's an anthology film. It's four different stories. Um, it, it's it's these guys are going to a funeral parlor to buy drugs from a uh, um, a mortician. A mortician who who found like crack. It's it's. Um, I'm sorry. What? Oh, okay. I see. I thought I thought this line was haunted for a second there. <laughs> well, so hey, that's the premise. These guys in the hood. These uh, these three black dudes from the hood. They're going to a um, uh, uh, funeral home to buy drugs from this guy who found all these drugs, and he's this creepy mortician. Uh, played by I forget his name is Clarence something. He's a really good actor. He's in the Butler. He's in uh, uh, what's that film? Uh, Dave Chappelle. He plays the uh, half baked. He plays the drug dealer in Half Baked. Also, um, anyways, and as 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 they're going inside the funeral parlor, he tells them these three stories based on three different bodies that are in the in the funeral house. Um, the first one is so they all have have this theme of. Um, of you know social gloves the first one deals with these this yeah 
Hello? I can hear you. Okay, sorry. I just heard something. Um, the first story deals with this, this, um, these three, it's four cops, um, two different teams. They pull over some uh, uh, activists, this black activist who, who is fighting for, uh, you know, against police brutality and, and, and cops that are selling drugs in the, in the black communities. And, and they beat him up and they basically murder him. And it's, it's one of the cops is black and he goes crazy. And I mean, I don't want to give any spoilers, mm-hmm. but it, it turns into a, it, 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 it's multiple stories. They all kind of have a, an underlying theme of, of like, you know, social issues that affect the black community. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the theme song is by Spice One. And it's a creepy song, which is great. It's kind of violent. Uh, uh, Joaquin, have you ever seen uh, Tales from the Hood? And he's gone. And he's gone. Okay. Well, well, it's it's a good movie. It's I mean, for the time, I'm be honest. For the time that that it came out, the the some of the some of the uh, the, the the effects were kind of kind of gnarly. Uh, to say the least, um, I think right now the only way to watch is you do have to rent it. But um, they last year they were playing it at the new Parkway Theater, theater um, in Oakland. They were, they were playing it. Uh, mm. I don't know. I don't know how they're going to do it this year because <laughs> you know COVID. But um, it's I definitely recommend it. Joaquin, have you I'm, have you seen uh, Tales from the Hood? I have not. I have heard many people through my high school and middle school years tell me about how awesome tales of the hood is, but I haven't, I haven't seen it. No. Okay. That there's, so yeah, what uh, the first story, it's kind of, uh, I guess is it, it reminds me of somebody said, okay, what if Martin Luther King came back from the dead and he killed those who, who, who assassinated Mm -hmm. him, you know, and then there's another story with, with these voodoo, uh, dolls. Um, a lot of it deals with Duke voodoo, but it's it's a really uh, you some some if you do check it out after listening to this, you're gonna find some of the some of the film cheesy, but it's it's a really well. Um, I mean, for the time, I appreciate it a lot uh, because, like I said, the effects weren't what we have today. There's no CGI. I mean, you know, there was, but obviously <laughs> nothing like we have today. Um, so yeah, that's my fourth film, uh, Gasper. What's up with you? Um, so yeah, at, at number this is your hold on. Yeah, this is your number five. Before you give us your number five, do you just mention some honorable mentions, maybe that you didn't fit in the list? Uh, yeah. Um, let's see, Zombie Lake. It's this really campy uh, zombie movie from the seventies. Uh, well, let's see. Uh, another video game, Resident Evil Remake. Um, I, uh, I did write down Mulholland Drive. I don't know if... It's not really a horror. Um, have any of you guys seen that one? Which one? No. Mulholland Drive? No. Oh, okay. And then I wrote down Carrie. I actually really like Carrie, but... Um, the original, right? The original, yeah. That's uh, a really good one. Yeah, I grew up. I like. I used to watch it when I was like six years old, 
And then I had to watch it for film school, and I really liked it. There was a lot of things that I didn't, you know, grasp as as, as a six year old. Um, yeah, but yeah, no. So I'm gonna talk. You know, you know what really creeped me out about Carrie, the original? Yeah, the the little Jesus doll they used. That Hell was like, yeah, dude. <laughs> That thing was so creepy. Like, what the hell was that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. I just, I remember that. Yeah. Like so I actually had to watch it for film school, and I liked it so much that I was like, I'm not even going to bother with the new one. I, I... Yeah, agreed. Uh, yeah. The rage the rage was not bad. I'll say that, though. What is, is, what is that? Is that the, the ending? Or that was what? a sequel. That was a sequel. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. But was um, that is that on your list or or? No, not the rage. No, 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 no. Was was Carrie the your number five pick? No, no, no. It's sorry. It's just the honorable mention. But uh, I'm gonna cheat again. Uh, I, this is actually my number one. It's uh, and I've I've talked about it before. It's um, Silent Hill two. Oh yeah. So yeah, this this one's actually really dramatic. Um, so it's made up of of three three. Uh, from what I've heard, it's made up of three different um, other works. One of them being um, Twin Peaks. The other one is um, Jacob's Ladder. Oh wow! And, yeah, and then the the other uh, part is is a book. I forget what it's called. Let me let me uh, let me see if I can find it real quick. Uh, oh, Crime and Punishment, which I've never read it, but. Um, so I think it's made up of those three parts, and so yeah, basically, you know, story basically, it's this guy. He shows up at um, in Silent Hill because he's been getting letters from his dead wife, and so now he has to try and figure out what the hell's going on, right? And so the whole game is you trying to find clues, and and, and you meet you know a whole cast of characters, and they all have issues with them uh, about them, um, and slowly you kind of go discovering that. Um, the problem is that uh, James, the main character, he holds this burden, right? He did this really bad thing, and he's in Silent Hill, and he's basically being punished for this really bad thing that he did. And so, you know, Silent Hill ends up being kind of a, uh, almost a metaphor for hell. Um, the reason, uh, you know, another reason, uh, reason why I really like this game is because, it, so it's a psychological horror, right? Uh, the the character the monster designs like they make no sense no sense like for example you get you get chased by a mannequin and it's not a mannequin it's like you cut you cut a mannequin and you just take the legs and the bottom torso and then you take another mannequin which is the bottom legs and the the legs and the bottom torso and you put that together and so you're being chased by creatures that look like that uh, you're chased by this um, uh, what else? I don't know. Anyways, the, 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 the monsters don't really make sense, but they're meant to kind of mess with your head where you're like, you're like, you're not really sure what you're looking at, but you know that it's, you know, something that's going to try and hurt you. And so, yeah, really scary game. Just, just like fatal frame. It's like the, the controls are really clunky. Um, for me, it's really easy because I grew up at the, the time where, where these games were, you know, were relevant. I can go back and play them, you know, no problem. Um, but um, yeah, yeah, I, I really like that. the The problem is not, you know, a, a monster or whatever. The problem is internal, and so you you go through this kind of uh, 
journey with the character learning about about um you know yeah his past and then what he did um also the soundtrack is really good if anybody listening knows or has heard any of it they you know you know that it's it's a really it's a really unsettling soundtrack but it's also really really good to listen to just by itself um okay. all right okay i'm gonna assume that none of you guys are familiar or, or have i've heard i've heard a lot of good things about it that, yeah. that's pretty much it uh it is I, i've heard it's you can watch it as a film without the gameplay right um i i don't know if you could i think you would be missing some parts you could but i don't think you get the full um experience i think watching a Lex, let's play would be better Okay. Right. I mean, well, they I made think... a Silent Hill movie, right? An actual yeah, film. The, the movie's okay. But I heard the I heard Silent Hill uh, two. I've heard a lot of uh, YouTube. I've seen a lot of YouTube videos about it. Yeah. Uh, where they say that, um, like they haven't been able to top a Silent Hill game from that the storyline of that particular one, and also, um, like I saw some like zombie. What are they like? Zombies, right? They look like zombies. They move like, oh, like zombies. There, there's a lot of disturbing, like unsettling, not not scary, but unsettling, like uh, things that they put in the game. You know that fucks with you, meant your psychology. You yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That's all I know about it. So I, I mean, you know, I don't think I'll be I'll be able to play, but I can look up some stuff or whatever, because I have heard of a lot of a lot about that Silent Hill two. Mm-hmm. Just being so great, the storyline being like a movie. Yeah, but yeah. we said movies, motherfucker. But I, I, we'll take it. We'll take it. Well, so here's the thing, right? Um, I love the horror genre, but I'm almost always disappointed by 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 movies, and I don't know why. Like you know, I there's a lot of movies. A lot of the movies that you guys have mentioned, they just weren't my thing, and so. I love the the worlds that that a lot of these movies have, and you know the things like that. But I don't know. It's just yeah. Often I'm disappointed, so I'm I, I had to pick. You know, I was even going to talk about anime, but um, I chose not to. <laughs> okay, um, uh, uh, Joaquin, what you got for us, man? All right. So my fifth film. Um, wait, wait. Honorable mentions for my fifth. Actually, calling an audible. I know I. Wait, you hmm? gotta gotta give us our your honorable mentions first. Just name them off, whatever is not on your number five. You got honorable mentions. Okay, for sure. Um, honorable mentions include us because it yes. it wasn't on my top five, but it is a really really great film. Okay. Uh, Rosemary's Baby. Yeah. Um, The Exorcist beat out Rosemary's Baby. I, good choice. <laughs> the black and white original. 13 ghosts oh yes that- um like not the new not the one in color but the original one and then like the one my- uh <laughs> lost boys lost boys lost boys nice. that, mm-hmm. that almost made my list but fright night kind of beat out uh i figured uh chris randon was cooler than than the than the guys in uh lost boys so <laughs> so for my fifth one, I actually had to make a swap. So the swap um, includes a film that goes on my honorable mentions list now, which is The Witch. Um, the Witch has is, is not been bumped to honorable mentions as well. Um, my replacement for The Witch is uh, Let the Right One In. 
not the not the new one with um, the Japanese one, Chloe Mortez from you know the the Kick AWS movies, right? But the but the original foreign one, the Japanese I think it's like one, right? Filmed over in Switzerland, oh, Switzerland. Or maybe it was Sweden. It's a, it's a European country. It's one of those European countries in foreign language film. Yeah. Okay. Never mind. I thought it was Japanese. My bad. I, you're right. Great. Excellent movie. Um, the reason why I chose it, um, and I'll, I'll be completely honest, isn't just that it's a vampire film, and I love vampire films. But there's this main character who's like this young boy, and he befriends this young girl that moves in next door. Like, she moves into the apartment next to him. And they start communicating, you know, but they start talking to each other. And at night, only at night, and the revelation is this young girl is a vampire. And she becomes sort of his um, his bodyguard in a way. Like you see her behavior, like we know she's a vampire before he does. So the film builds that whole tension of, you know, him not knowing he could potentially be in danger because they'll show her hunting homeless people and like draining them of their blood. But they become legitimate friends. And it's just sort of this unique blend of, horror and sweetness especially in one particular scene where he's being bullied by these bullies we've seen earlier in the movie and uh he's being drowned in a pool by them and as he's being drowned you see the from the perspective of the camera which is underwater and these boys heads end up coming off and plunging into the water like beside him so she essentially like slays these guys in his defense. Hmm. Um, really great film. Let the right one in. Check it out. I I, I have heard it's way yeah. better than the American version. So check it out. You guys, see oh, yeah, that? I love that movie. I I haven't seen it yet, but I I hear it's way better than the American version, so... Yeah, I, can, that's, I considered that's... I considered talking about it, but I was like, ah, maybe I'll leave it for, for next year. Okay. All right. So now, Phil, what you got for us, number five? Incredible. Okay. So, uh, originally, I had Nightmare on Elm Street and Nightmare on Elm Street 3 as two separate entities on my list, but we ended up talking about them at the same time. So that's going to bump one of my honorable mentions to the main list. So for honorable mentions, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say Get Out. I actually prefer Get Out over Us because while they're both great, uh, Get Out could probably happen. Like, that's the more realistic of the two. I was watching that film going, yeah, that's some shit white people would do. You know, <laughs> whereas with Us, clearly that could never happen. But with Get Out, mm, no, that's actually that's pretty plausible. That's <laughs> so, so I'm going to say that. I'm also going to say Invisible Man, the new one that just came out. Uh, I, I know we talked about it on an earlier episode uh, when it first came out, but man, it, it I, I don't like reboots. Like, if you notice, like, I've never seen, like, the remake of any of these horror films we're talking about, um, but it's not a remake or a reboot in a traditional sense. It's like, it uses the name, but it really has nothing to do with, like, the classic franchise, and it puts a modern spin on it, and it was very well done 
very well crafted. So my my honorable mentions are going to be Invisible Man and uh, and and Get Out. Um, as for my number five, uh, we we talked about this a little earlier, but I'm going to go with Child's Play too, because growing up I was a Chucky kid. Uh, I saw all the Chucky movies up to a certain point. I stopped it at Seed. That's where I left off with Seed of Chucky. But something about Child's Play 2 always creeped me out. You know, and J.D., I think you and me were talking about this in the chat, too, before we did the show today. Yes, we did. That That is uh, one of those where I think the part two kind of topped uh, the first one. Although the first one was a game changer because there wasn't a – there wasn't a, a, a doll killer film like that at the time, but the second one was, uh, they had had more memorable, you know, I, I think it's something to do where um, it has something to do with the first one was in the inner city. It was like in, in Chicago, you know, in the South, I think South side Chicago in the, in like the hood. And this, this, uh, this one was like, was in simple, you know, uh, but nice neighborhood. Yeah, and I think well, for me, what makes the second one stick out from the first one? First, I, I love the climax where we're at the fucking good guys factory where they make all the fucking dolls. Yes. That was like a cool, cool, uh, you know, centerpiece for the incident. But what, what sets the first one, you know, yeah, you got a fucking doll killing people, but he seems he seems more cruel in the second one because you know, fucking poor Andy is this traumatized kid and. Chucky just keeps fucking with him and making yeah. all the adults think he's just like this asshole. Like he fucking, you know, the whole thing in the school where he's fucking, you know, writes profanities all over Andy's paper. So he gets in trouble with the teacher and then he yeah. fucking beats the teacher to death with a ruler. And then I know we were talking about uh, the scene where like, he trips the stepdad going down the steps into the basement and kills the fucking stepdad in a goddamn gruesome way. You know what my favorite one? Like, I, yeah, I I didn't think about that, but that 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 was something I. When we spent half of the film, he's befriending uh, Andy. You know, half of the film they're friends. You know, and in this yeah. one, he's just an asshole. And uh, one of the things that I remember from that is when he buries the other good guy doll. <laughs> it reminds uh, when I watched the. Um, when I watched uh, Step Brothers, it reminded me of that scene. <laughs> so it just, and then we also got to see more of Chucky's personality, which, you know, he's a little, he's a son of a bitch. Like you really hate him in this one more than the first one. Yeah. You know, the third one I didn't really care for where it's at military school. That one didn't do anything for me. Uh, Bride of Chucky was fine. I like Bride of Chucky. I like Seed of Chucky. Uh, I haven't seen uh, was it Curse of Chucky or Cult of Chucky or the new Child's Play reboot with Aubrey Plaza. You uh, know, good at some I point. saw Cult of Chucky. I regret it. You, yeah. I didn't. I didn't pay a take. I didn't pay a fee for it. I saw it at a friend's house, but I regret the time. Yeah. I. I. I didn't. I like. Uh, the new one, if it would have been its own thing and not been called a child's play, because the reason why I I didn't like it is, and I'll say it because it was in the it, they mentioned this in the in the trailers. He it's not a possessed doll; it's artificial intelligence, which I get it. It it tied into like a more modern and it did something different, 
but I think it should have just been its own thing. And it could have yeah, been. It should have been like Toy Story Five, and new no. fucking Buzz Lightyear goes crazy and starts murdering people. Exactly. Well, it's it's they. He's more powerful than Chucky from the Child's Play, from the first one. I'll, I'll leave it at that. But um, yeah, but I mean, is it even Chucky if he's not trying to play hide the soul? He still, yeah, basically, he yeah. And he's a little bit more of a, like a, a creepy stalker than he is. Uh, whatever. I don't want to spoil that one. But Child's Play 2, um, I I like that there was no, I mean, in the first one, we had the uh, the hero guy, uh, Chris Sarandon, which I mentioned earlier from Fright Night. There was no hero in this one, which also made you feel more afraid for Andy. Yeah, it also, the second one feels more hopeless because, like, Andy's mom isn't around anymore. Everybody yeah. thinks this kid's fucking crazy because all the people who saw Chucky in the first one died. Uh, I don't remember what happened to the cop, but I'm just going to pretend that he died too. Um, the everyone mom is crazy, yeah. Yeah, everyone thinks that, he, that he's crazy. Everyone thinks his mom is crazy. Um, he gets stuck with these foster parents. And so it really feels hopeless for Andy. Like, there's no light at the end of the tunnel. It ain't going to get better. And then fuck, Chucky comes back, and it's even worse. Yes. Um, I, I, yeah, that, that's definitely, um, my, one of my favorites in the whole, in the whole, um, uh, series. Uh, more, yeah, Cult of Chucky and all those. Like I said, if, if, uh, there's some cool stuff about those, which I mentioned earlier, but, you know, uh, nothing worth mentioning. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Does anyone else have anything on Child's Play 2? Gasper, what are your thoughts on Child's Play? G- Gasper, oh, I guess he's got no thoughts on Child's Play. Okay, what about you, Walker? So now we're down to the, the uh, my uh, five, uh, my number five. Uh, my honorable mentions, um, obviously Halloween. I, I didn't want to throw that one in there. Of course, that's like one of my all-time favorites that I like watching, but I didn't want to mention that because, of course, that's like a – you know, that's a given Halloween one and Halloween four are probably my favorites. Um, uh, 28 days later, uh, like I love the soundtrack and that whole feel of it is weird. Ooh, yeah. Especially since it's set in, and it's a, it's a real disease that, that chimps get It made it cooler. Um, um, the, the new con, the conjuring, the first one I really enjoyed. It was like, a. It was the first time I, I enjoyed watching a paranormal film in a long time. It was kind of a breath of fresh air after years of the paranormal activity movies, which I didn't like. Uh, this one, like it, it had like real for me, it really scared the shit out of me. And then um, another one that you guys, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, the Mothman prophecies. Yeah, I remember that. I remember that, the Mothman prophecy. I enjoyed the shit out of that. That's yeah, the, because of the story behind it, the real story that uh, is attached to it, and it it has some creepy moments. But uh, I, I'll say this on my list of movies that I really enjoy watching. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever seen The Others with Nicole Kidman. No twist in that film. Ooh. Oh, Batman right. Forever with Nicole Kidman. Huh? 
I saw Batman Forever with Nicole Kidman. Oh yeah, no, that's a that's a horror that's a horror movie of a different kind, though. <laughs> yeah, that's horrifying, not horror. <laughs> but no, I'm the not other guy who likes Batman Forever more than Batman Returns, though. <laughs> the others, uh, it's a fucking it's a film. Oh, I'm sorry, I, I got Batman Forever mixed up with Batman and Robin. I'm sorry, Bill. You guys, you still there? Yeah. Okay. It's it's a 2001 film yeah. directed by Alejandro Amenabar, who's like this uh, Spanish director. Uh, Gaspar, have you seen the others? I don't think I don't think Gaspar's he has. not here. He's not coming okay. back. Okay. All right. Well, it's it's a film that takes place in like the 1930s. Um, this family is a mother and her two kids they they have the kids have these weird disease where they can't go in the sunlight uh phil have you seen it no i haven't seen it. uh you haven't seen it right no i haven't seen it hello no i haven't seen it okay sorry about that okay well it, it takes place in the 1920s 30s because it's after world war one um and this mother yeah she she has these like three servants move in that they're they're coming in to to help her. Uh, you know, it's an old man and two women. They're helping around the house. It's a, they live in this like super big mansion, and um, they just notice weird things start happening around the house, like weird noises. It it's it's like a, a a creepy haunted manor, you know, big castle um, film. But the twist at the ending, it's it's one of the it's one of the best twists I have seen in 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 films. Like, aside from you know other, it has been done before, but uh it, it was very well. It was very done very tastefully, man. Uh, Joaquin, you've seen it. Oh yes. Yeah. What do you what do you th- what are your thoughts on the others, man? It, it it was a it was a twist worthy of the sixth sense, like. Yes. Twists can be hacky or they can be really good. This was a twist that was really good. Surprising, right. unnerving, and it's because they build up to the point where when it when it comes in and it's like, oh, it's so unexpected. You and know, it's, unex- the- it's unexpected because it is the opposite of what we expected. Right. Agreed. You it, know, it, it defies it, our expectations, and that, that's a good twist. Yes. Uh, and it has a lot of good, like, aside from having jump scares, there's a lot of good little, like, remember that book of the dead where she finds, like, you know, these people that uh, back in the days when they died, they took pictures of them, of their dead bodies as they arrested on the yeah. final day. That, that was, like, that to me made me <laughs> more creeped out than, like, a lot of the other stuff. <laughs> that happened in the film um and when i watched like behind the scenes stuff about the film the pictures you're looking at are real pictures from back in the day so that just makes it a little bit creepier because you know these are like scary looking pictures man they're um and then that that piano scene was one of the best like scenes i have ever seen in a film for me like it's very well done it's not cheap every scene is is it it explains everything and uh the acting is 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 phenomenal man i i if if you want to like sit alone in your room 
and you watch it by yourself in the dark, it's like that perfect film to do that with. Would you not agree? 100% sir. And you're, if you're with your girl, she's going to grab you. I'm just going to say. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's my top, top number five film that, um, uh, you know, my my list is definitely like stuff to get you in the mood. That one, like the twist, and that you know, as a, I was uh, eleven years old when this movie came out, twelve because I didn't see it in theaters. I was too chicken shit to see it in theaters. Aside uh, when I rented it from Hollywood Video, and uh, that scene with the old lady in the dress, I think like scarred me for a long time. Where um, I, I had to have all the lights on whenever I walked in to a room at night so i don't know that's that's my five that's my number five that's good that's good horror movie making right there yes you know when it gets you gets you wary about whether or not the lights are on before you enter a room that's the director did their job i don't know if you guys have this with any of the films that you watch when you were younger after watching a scary horror film like a really good horror film that scared the shit out of you it took me like a couple of days to be able to look at the mirror at night. <laughs> <laughs> when I went into the bathroom, I wouldn't look at the mirror. I don't know what psychological thing that's that, that what it is, but that was my experience whenever I watched like a really scary film and it like, you know, haunted me for weeks. Uh, it took me a while to <laughs> look in the mirror. <laughs> mm. Well, that was our, our our favorite horror movies for the season. I like that we all had a very different list. Like I don't think there was much bleed over or crossover. So yes, that that's pretty freaking sweet. Uh, yep. And um, if you guys listeners, uh, if there's any of the films that you 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 want to know about or whatever, you can comment, like, subscribe. Um. If you have any suggestions based on what we said that we may like, go ahead and email us at the voice party podcast show at gmail.com. Other than that, you guys have any messages for the fans? I want to say I am totally up. Uh, if you guys are up to recording some sort of, if we get enough people requesting like podcast commentary to one of these movies, if the fans are like, yo, 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 we were listening to your like top five, we'd love to hear you do your movie commentary to like alien or or nightmare on elm street or or let the right one in you know what i mean i'd be down for that i think that'd be kind of fun we get enough people asking yeah yeah for sure um uh phil well uh tis the season to be scary uh yes especially with the end of the world upon us so enjoy the end times everybody like, share, subscribe, follow, comment, tell your friends. Most important of all, watch good films, especially the ones we just mentioned. This has been The Voice Party. We are out. Out. Out.